Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Cross your fingers, say your prayers, knock on wood, whatever it is, uh, you got to do it this week. This is the Bite Me Podcast, and it's going to be cold, cold, cold. And uh, man, there's a lot to cover uh, just with that. And we will, along with a lot of other topics here on the Bite Me Podcast. I am John Lopez. That is Captain Scott Knoll. And this is the Bite Me Podcast. Uh, You know the drill. If you don't, I'll tell you real quick. You can subscribe. Subscribe. I would highly recommend it. Nearly 4,800 now and growing by the day. Members on the Bite Me group page on Facebook. And I got a message earlier today. They wanted to ask me a question. Someone who was not on Facebook Look, it's real easy. I don't mention this enough, but you can certainly contact Captain Scott Knoll uh, at his Facebook page. If you don't have Facebook, he's got Instagram. He's got, uh, you know, me as an access point. I've got Twitter at Lopez on Sports, uh, Instagram as well at Lopez on Sports. And my email is very easy to remember, Lopez at sportsradio610.com. We don't mention that every episode because the group page is where you really need to end up. Uh, because it's a great fishing discussion. We've covered it uh, in the past. Uh, so many great questions come through there. Uh, so many great uh, photos and stories. It's my favorite part to hear the stories. Hey, man, guys, I was I was listening to the podcast. I tried what you were talking about. It works like a champ. And uh, really appreciate it. So I, I would say start with the group page at Facebook. Uh, Bite Me group page on Facebook. Uh, you can also uh, subscribe anywhere you get podcasts. Uh, get it done, tell your friends, and we really appreciate it. And we feel like we try to keep it fun and informative. Today, we're going to start, Captain, with a pretty pretty serious uh, topic. Uh, I can't begin to tell you how many times we've talked about, well, what is a real freeze? Uh, and and, and will, you know, do you need to change things? And will there be a fish kill? 
what will be the habitat and the fishery? What will it will how will it affect those things? Well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say for sure that we're gonna be in the low 20s, but some forecasts have low 20s for an extended period of time. They have since gotten better. You know, we're 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 broadcasting and we're posting this podcast today on Wednesday. Um, and and it, the forecast has gotten slightly better, but let's let's cover both ends of the spectrum here, Scott. Uh, this week it could be the real deal. There was one point that I was looking at the forecast, kind of looking ahead, because mm-hmm. I had some trips I need to re- rearrange yeah. and uh, rework. But there was one point that was showing below freezing for sixty six hours in Port O'Connor. That's okay. Start stop right there because that's what you're talking about. When we say seriously, it, it, it gets it gets real, as the kids like to say. Yeah, that's when it gets really bad. Uh, water temperatures below about 45 degrees for 24 hours. Mm-hmm. is That's kind of the threshold for when trout start dying. Redfish are a little hardier. Uh, a bunch of other fish mm-hmm. are going to die. Flounder are pretty hardy. They're pretty hardy. Most of them are offshore right now anyway. Right. Yeah, they're out off the beachfront. So it's mainly it's mostly trout that we get worried about, but redfish, you know, when it gets real bad, you know, some of the previous freezes we've had, and everybody always, man, it can't happen. It, it, that's not going to happen. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. I've witnessed it in my lifetime several times. Um, it ain't fun. Mm-hmm. There's nothing cool about it. Nothing fun about it. Um, the last, most recent was in. Uh, December of 89 mm-hmm. and that was that one was a pretty rough one Houston was at seven degrees mm-hmm. there's a lot of people listening they weren't even alive yeah <laughs> I have to think about that sometimes you know my oldest daughter wasn't wasn't even born yet mm-hmm. so they haven't seen a real freeze and guys you know if you think about you know your average guy gets into saltwater fishing seriously in, in his teens most of the time or a little earlier they haven't seen anything near a, a big freeze right um and big freezes, I mean, like that said, Houston was seven degrees. Brownsville, you know, you think, okay, well, way down south, mm-hmm. it was 16 mm-hmm. in Brownsville. And it stayed that way for days. Uh, the worst one that I can remember is 83. Right. 83 was, that was the mother of all freezes in my lifetime. It was at Christmas time. Yep, it was Christmas. And it was, uh, well, let me, let me set some perspective here uh, historically. Uh, because our friend Shannon Tompkins, who's, who's really good at this, at the research, I want to give him full credit. He went back as far as 1899. Uh, yeah, I didn't go that far. <laughs> well, I wasn't alive, but I was, I was close. Uh, <laughs> as far back as 1899 for the freezes. And I'm not going to dig into the details that uh, of that. But the, the, the freezes all had the same thing in common. And it's what Scott Null has been talking to us about for years and what i've been mentioning it's the prolonged cold a little cold doesn't do a lot of damage 1899 a five-day freeze uh, 1917 uh, a, a freeze that hit for several days as well 1924 was another one dropped below freezing on december 19th and stayed that way for two straight days 1940 in january dropped from 64 into the 20s in four hours and i want to get to that that's incredible i want to get to that in a minute and was uh, below freezing for 10 consecutive days. 1951 was another one. I won't get into the details. And then we get into 83, and that's where you were, and I'll let you pick it up right there. Yeah, and one of the things that Shannon mentioned uh, on long-term history of it, yeah, over the past 150 years where we have you know some records of, of temperatures, uh, there's an average freeze-killing 
fish killing freeze mm-hmm. every 15 years on average. And we're way past we're that. We're lucky. We've been really, really lucky. Yeah. Uh, that 83 freeze, I think I've even said something about it on here before. I was duck hunting. Mm-hmm. I was big time into duck hunting at that point in my life. And, uh, heck, I was out there it, right around my 20th birthday. Mm-hmm. I'm out there messing around, been duck hunting for a couple of days, getting ready because my cousin was coming in. He's going to A&M. He was going to come in for Christmas holidays and going to take my dad out duck hunting for his first duck hunt. Mm-hmm. And I was out there in shirt sleeves. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm out there just kind of hanging out. To be fair, we didn't have the technology we have now. <laughs> oh, waiters, waiters were hot that day. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really considered wet waiting mm-hmm. going out to the duck blind. Mm-hmm. And then the next day they came in. And there was a cold front coming. But we didn't have all the technology that we do now, all the forewarning and looking at mm-hmm. computers on our own and stuff. We just kind of went by what the weather guy said. He said, eh, it's fixing to get cold. Yeah. Wrap your pipes. Yeah. Well, we hear that all the time. You know, they get it all freaked out about 32 degrees here. So we didn't think much of it. We went out, and, I mean, we wore jackets, but we weren't, like, bundled up ready. I mean, it was sweating on the way out, mm-hmm. walking out to the mm-hmm. to the blind. It was probably in the 60s, you know, maybe in the 70s. Right. And uh, we get out there, get all settled in on my little pond. <laughs> Everything's all good. And we walk probably half a mile in the marsh to yeah. get there. Yeah, we're all settled in. Everything's all great, and then this front hits. And my God, I have never felt anything hit like that. And it hit fast, and it hit quick. It was like going from playing basketball out in the hot concrete mm-hmm. to stepping into a deep freezer. Well, I mean, it was unbelievable how fast surface it temperature of the water in the bays went from sixty to sixty-four degrees to thirty-five degrees in eight hours. Yep, and I watched it. Yeah. Uh, we sat out, me and my cousin sat out there and duck hunted the rest of the morning. And my dad bailed. Mm-hmm. He went back to the truck. Older, wiser. Uh, <laughs> uh, my cousin and I sat out there and we watched a duck land amongst our decoys as we were trying to make ourselves get up and shoot. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was to the point your muscles didn't let's, want to work. Let's just be honest. Pardon the language. You were freezing your ass off. Yeah. <laughs> and your muscles don't want to work. Right. And we've all been there. This little duck came flying in there. I mean, he was hooking it. Yeah. And he hits in the decoys and slid on the ice. We didn't even realize it was ice yet. Mm-hmm. And our pond, our saltwater pond, was completely frozen over. Mm-hmm. I walked out there to get the decoys, and we were breaking ice off of the decoys in order to put them up. Uh, it got cold, man. Yeah. And the water dropped out like unbelievable. Uh, I remember afterwards we went up and went over the causeway, and we looked out across West Bay, mm-hmm. and West Bay was drained. It was gone. And that only, that only took like three or four hours. I can't right. imagine what that dump was like. I mean, it, it, it had to be like a Russian river. Yeah, yeah. And uh, every Texas bay in 83 had ice on it on the rims. Uh, Trinity Bay had ice, an ice sheet that extended 500 yards into the bay. Um, and, and before we get into to, to what that means and how it affects things, let's just say the estimated death toll that year was 14 million fish, okay? Then we go to 89. And the, the, the thing about 89 that I remember uh, so vividly was that we got we got the old one too yeah yeah it. double <laughs> double whammy we we got uh, you know December 22nd to the 24th and then February 3rd through well, the it was 6th. the other way around yeah it was, February it was 1st February <clears throat> came December. First, then the following winter we had another one yeah 17 million finfish uh, were estimated killed then what, what what stood out about that one with you uh, <laughs> what stands out about that one most is I. I had transitioned from being more of a duck hunter in the mm-hmm. winter to fishing in the winter. And 
we couldn't find any fish. I mean, literally could not find fish. Mm-hmm. The the uh, fall of 1990, I took a buddy of mine out as a Pearland police officer, and he didn't fish much. Mm-hmm. You know, and we were going to catch some fish for a fish fry for the for the block. You know, that was our plan. We had a little cul-de-sac party going to happen, and we went out there and bought a, a quarter shrimp. Mm-hmm. And I started off in East Bay, and I hit the deeper East areas. Mm-hmm. That's fall. It's September. Man, <laughs> this is it, money. Yeah. Went on up into the upper end of East Bay where the birds should be working. Not a bird working anywhere. Nothing going on. We couldn't lose a shrimp. We worked our way around on the south shoreline, all along the marsh points. Uh, worked our way out. Said to heck with it. Went out to the jetties. Fished all up and down the north jetty. Caught one piggy perch mm. on a shrimp. So we took that piggy perch and we ran off to the beachfront about seven, eight miles out, dropped live shrimp in the piggy perch, nothing. I mean, we thought, you know, surely we'll catch some snapper or right, something. Right, right, right. Nothing. We came back in and we ran into some sharks mm-hmm. that were feeding on an outgoing tide mm-hmm. on the rip. And uh, we managed to get enough enough shark to do a fish fry. Yeah. We didn't tell anybody what it was. It was a bunch of <laughs> Just black bleed tips. them a little bit. We let them out. <laughs> Nobody complained. Everybody said, man, this is some good fish. Yeah, well. <laughs> but that was the kind of trips that we were having along that period for two or three years where, I mean, <laughs> you really were heroes. Either you found the small amount of fish that were there mm-hmm. in an area or you found nothing. There was a whole big vastness of nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when a whole lot of the guys like, plug and those guys went into tarpon fishing right you know prior to that nobody really messed with the tarpon all that would come and, by because they weren't affected directly by the freeze right they were know? all in mexico when it happened and so let's get back to, to how we started the forecast i mean again keep your fingers crossed uh you know knock on on wood whatever it it has been earlier in the week i saw forecasts of of down to 21 degrees in some uh base systems up and down the the gulf coast here the texas coast um for prolonged hours Uh, we're talking 60 maybe 70 hours the the forecast has since gotten a little better but you got to reserve the right you got to keep your your mind in 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 the sense of in, in the zone of okay what if it does do that for 60 70 hours here's the thing that i was gonna that i was gonna say we're talking 22 years since a really, really bad freeze like that in 1989. 32. 32. Uh, excuse me, 32. <laughs> yeah. um, we're old. So, so, yeah. So we're lucky in that sense that there has to be a, 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 just a ton of fish everywhere, and we know that. But at the same time, fishing pressure has been so much, uh, increased so much since then. There's, you know, how many boats are, did you see on the water in 1989 versus 2021? So what what could be the effect here? And you know we 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 don't want to you know scare anybody. That's not the business we're in. But we want people to know you know what's going on here potentially. Well, like the fifty one freeze they were talking about it. It was an estimated uh, forty six million fish mm-hmm. in the Lower Laguna Madre alone. Gillnet surveys went from you know they caught four fish in the spring following mm-hmm. that. They, that one crippled the uh, fishing industry, both commercially and recreationally. Mm-hmm. They say for four to five years it was non-existent. Right. Uh, so that's the kind of thing that could happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, face it, how many times are people going to go out there when they can't catch fish? Like what I did in 1990. Right. I mean, how many days are you going to spend on the water? Mm-hmm. So the rebound behind those 
freeze is, is better now than it was then because of the hatcheries. Right. Uh, That's one good thing that came with the 83 freeze was mm-hmm. the redfish hatchery, and then they started doing more trout. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, man, I could see the boat market just tanking, mm-hmm. you know, because it, there would, I guarantee you there were, there's a whole bunch of fishermen out there that if they can't go out there and get their get their five, right. you know, right. throw Kroger or whatever, they're out. They're out of the game. Mm-hmm. They ain't gonna do it. Mm-hmm. And those all those boats go up for sale. I mean, it it would have a serious domino effect right. along our Texas coast right now. We do have a lot of fishermen that are just gonna fish. You know, that, that, that's how you and I got into this uh, podcast business. We're gonna fish uh, hell or high water or freeze. Yeah, it doesn't uh, matter to me. It, I'm it, still it, gonna go out there. So, what about what would be your projections? I have a couple of thoughts, but what would you be your projections? And we're not you know, biologists by any stretch, but we've got a lot of experience and we know a lot of biologists. You know, we didn't stay at a Holiday Inn. I mean, we, we're, we're not biologists, but we stayed at a Holiday Inn. Um, and I've, I've spoken with some on the drive-in, you know, into here this morning, talked to a friend of mine and got some thoughts. But but what as far as like the fishery and the habitat and, and, and building it back, if, again, if, we're, we're all hopeful that it's not that bad, you know, a, a freeze, an extended freeze happens. Well, like I said, we're better off because we have the fisheries, mm-hmm. the hatcheries. and uh, But even with that, say it wipes out that one freeze in 83, there was one biologist that said any fish that didn't leave the bays, that didn't escape out through the passes, mm-hmm. out into the Gulf, mm-hmm. died. Every fish that was in the bay basically died. Right. So take that, wipe everything out, start fresh. You throw some hatchery fish out there. Mm-hmm. We can produce millions and millions of hatchery fish right now. But it takes that fish about three years before it reaches catchable size. Right. I mean, you're going to catch a few of the 12, 13, 14-inch, two-year-olds. Mm-hmm. But to get into that 20-inch range, I mean, you see it behind the hurricanes. You know, I'm looking at it right now Right. You know, after after I, that uh, I've got a whole bunch of fish right now that are in that 25-inch range. Mm-hmm. Those are those are Ike fish. You can kind of tell, you know, year-class right. fish. Right. So it would take – we would lose all our year classes above that and then you have to count on the hatchery fish and what's left over the natural population out in the gulf the big breeders right to repopulate bingo that that's what i I was talking to a buddy of mine uh who is in the business uh driving in here today and he i said give me some good news give me some optimism of, of how this would 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 rebound quicker uh again hoping for the best but in case it happens he said the good news is it's mid-February. You know, he, a lot of fish have already moved. There have been a little bit of cold snaps here and there to kind of trigger their instincts and get them moving, uh, as you said, into the Gulf. Uh, certainly flounder, uh, you know, some trout go out in the bay and, and they've already moved. I mean, into the Gulf and they've already moved. Uh, redfish are just going to be resilient and they have a better hat- hatchery. Uh, so they're, they're, redfish are going to be okay. They're, they're, they're stronger fish anyway. So he said, if you're looking for some good news, I'd rather have this freeze in February, in mid-February than early December when there's so many more fish in the bay. So there's that. That's good news. Uh, and I started thinking about, and you see it on our Bite Me group page, and everybody's like, man, it's been struggling out there. It's been how many times, how many weeks is it? Three weeks yeah. where, where it's been an absolute struggle for a lot of people, including me, uh, out in the bay. Well, maybe those fish has, have already kind of, you know, they're instinctive and they already, know what's going on. Yeah, they're instinctive yeah. and they've already moved along. So there's that good news uh, if, if you're optimistic. Um, that, that said, there's going to be fish 
you know that that are going to die. Yeah, we've had minor fish kills. I mean, there was one yeah. in Port O'Connor. I don't know four or five six years ago. Um, we lost a lot of snook mm-hmm. um, that nobody knew was there, <laughs> and then all of a sudden these snook started floating up. Uh, one boat picked up 10 30 plus inch snook out of Port O'Connor. Yikes! So they're out there. Uh, that's my biggest worry about this. I mean, we're seeing the juvenile tarpon all up and down the coast. Everything's mm-hmm. looking pretty good with that. Got snook. You know, we I caught a couple snook at the jetties this year. Mm-hmm. Everything's looking really good for all that. The tropical species kind of moving a little bit further north. Uh, something like that can, you know, set that back quite a few years. Right. Uh, as far as snook. Uh, yeah. Most fish, but, but as far as snook especially, which are not going to be as abundant, well, and they're just—they're uh, not nearly as cold-hardy, even as trout. Right. They're um, a Florida fish, man. Right. I mean, they're, <laughs> they're a southern fish, no doubt. Uh, as far as trout go, you talk to people all the time that say, you know, go out to the near rigs mm-hmm. in the winter time, and you'll find trout. You'll find speckled trout out there, a bunch of them. Right. Uh, I never really do it. I don't know why, but I, mm-hmm. I just haven't. I really don't care about going out and deep dropping for some trout. Yeah. But. Uh, there's divers, you know, the, the rig divers and stuff that go out there and say, yeah, yeah there's plenty of trout out there. Mm-hmm. Those are the trout we would have to count on yeah. to return to the bays to repopulate. Um, the hatcheries just, they can't produce. There, there is, they are better than they were 32 years ago, trout hatcheries. Yeah. But they're still, they're kind of a work in progress. The biggest problem, from what I understand from talking to some biologists about it, is that trout are, they're cannibalistic. Mm-hmm. So you put... You know, 5,000 little trout into a pond to grow them out, you come out with 500 <laughs> bigger trout because they ate all their buddies. Yeah. Uh, and redfish don't That's do that. That's why we have top waters that look like trout. Right. <laughs> they'll, they'll eat each other. So, yeah, we can't really count on the hatcheries as, as strongly on that side. On that side. On the trout side. But they have perhaps moved, as he said. The other thing he said that was, it's very obvious, but it's worth mentioning, is thank goodness we have a five trout limit. Yep. Uh, because whether you like it or not, you're going to like it if there is a freeze. Yeah, you're going to like that there's a five trout limit because, as you mentioned, he said the exact same thing you did, Scott. They're going to be packed up. They're going to be bunched when whenever it does come back. And it could be a matter of days. Uh, and you start seeing some trout. They're gonna, But then there's going to be vast areas where there's nothing, zero or hero, as you put it. Well, that's why the five trout limit comes in handy so i i'm actually optimistic about it i don't want one fish to die but if it happens i mean i think we're a little even though there's a lot of pressure 10 times 100 times more pressure on these fishes than than 32 years ago i think there's also more you know things that are you know installed so to speak that are going to be able to help well the whole catch and release thing it's taken off. It's taken off, and it, it's a whole lot more prevalent than it was, I guarantee yeah. you, than in 83. Yeah. 83? I was. You catch it, I was, you kept I was it. catching 10, I mean, 20. Well, the limit was 20 yeah. at 12 inches. Yeah. I mean, that, and we were keeping 20. Yeah, and I had a personal limit. Yeah, I, I, I set my limit up a little higher because I didn't like cleaning a 12-inch trout, honestly. Right, right. That was, it wasn't about conservation. It was about me. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and then... You know, that, that changed from uh, 20 at 12 inches to 10 at 14 right. at that point. And then redfish went from five a day to three. So those things and then our our, our conservation attitude mm-hmm. has changed. GCCA, 
I say GCCA. It used Everybody to be. knows it as CCA now, yeah. but it was Gulf Coast Conservation Association when it started. It started around that same time, mm-hmm. and that's that's what got us to that point where redfish and trout were game fish. Um, prior to that, man, I mean, everybody just kept whatever they caught. Right. It was an endless supply, you know, and honestly, it kind of was because there wasn't that many people out there. Right. You know, the, you could go, I could go to Christmas Bay, wade the South Shoreline, see one guy mm-hmm. on, on an entire day, not a boat. I mean, very rarely ever see a boat in Christmas right. Bay. Right. Um, so it, the amount of pressure has certainly changed, but our attitudes towards the fish have also changed and gotten better, I think, overall. And I'm proud of our, our Bite Me uh, family here. Our little community has been doing so good with that. A lot of guys are, are catching and releasing. And I always feel like I have to qualify this uh, because some people are new to the podcast. Uh, cat, if you want to eat some fish, catch them and eat them, cut them up and, and fillet them and, and, and have a good time. If you're, if you're within your limits. Yeah. Imposed by the state, I got nothing wrong. To say no, me neither. It. I'm just saying, fine. if you got a full freezer, or you know, I don't even want a full freezer, but if you got a full plate uh, for that night, catch and release. Uh, one other thing that I like to to say to the the members on the Bite Me group page, Scott and I are very. We see every post. Uh, we we respond to as many as we can. And I saw you responding to some today, Scott. Um, send. We have listeners, you know, from Florida all the way down to South Texas. Send us your pictures and updates and thoughts of what you see if this freeze does hit because we're curious and we want to keep all the other 5,000 or so uh, members on the group page uh, informed. And it'll be good for us to see some of that stuff and and we can pass it along to the proper people. Um, Let's talk about the fishing aspect of this. Uh, I think it's important. We're here to catch fish, man. We're here to help people catch uh, more fish. There's a pre-front, man. I mean, <laughs> this. There's actually two. There's two. You're there's right. There's two, two sections to the, the pre-front. There is, uh, you know, this. Uh, as I mentioned, this podcast is posting on Wednesday afternoon. If you can do the old quick turnaround, you got Thursday and Friday off into Saturday because I think it's going to really hit Saturday uh, late, later in the day. What would you say if, hey, man, uh, these fish are going to be big time moving? They have those senses. Let's do the what would Scott do now, because uh, that's a very popular segment. And since we're on the topic, pre-front f- fishing, what's that going to look like for you? Okay, I'm looking at Port O'Connor. Uh, pressure's down. Winds are down overnight, uh, Wednesday night into Thursday morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to rain more than likely on Thursday at some point. Uh, you know, So dress for it. Yeah. But the temperatures overnight are damn near 70 degrees yeah. on uh, Wednesday night into Thursday morning. So I, if I was mad at him, mm-hmm. real mad at him, which mm-hmm. we all know I'm not as mad at him <laughs> as I used to be, I would dress, dress for wet and a little bit chilled and uh, get out there before daylight about two hours. I'd, I'd check the majors and the minors, which mm-hmm. I have not done. I'll, I'll be honest with you, I haven't looked at that yet. Mm-hmm. But uh, we got a high tide at midnight, dropping all morning. Uh, that would pull, be pulling bait, mm-hmm. moving some bait around. Uh, you got the low pressure, prefrontal. If I was going, I'd be going after a big trout right now. I mean, it's February. Big trout should be feeding ahead of this front. That'd be my that'd be my go to. Well, the good news is Thursday, you've got a minor from six a.m. to eight a.m. I'd be there right then. You've got a 
big major, a big major from about 10.30 a.m. until 2 p.m. That might be a little late. The north wind's showing 9 a.m. Okay, and then Friday, you've got your your minor from 6 to about 9 a.m., and the major from 11 a.m. until about 2.30 p.m., so, uh, hey, man, pre-front fishing uh, might be the might be the trick Thursday and Friday into early Saturday. Now, the temperature Saturday is going to be a little bit well, not a little bit. It's going to be a little a little colder, um, low fifties early, uh, but it's not going to be a, a freeze into the mid fifties. Uh, but but Saturday as well, if you want to get out there, um, you you got a chance uh, to to get something again. Minor about eight a.m. A small one. A uh, big major uh, on Saturday from noon till about 4 p.m. on Saturday. Yeah, that's going to be right in the teeth of that thing. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be coming the in. The second front. The, uh, that first front, I'm saying go out there, but be be very, very cautious about this. These fronts, these springtime fronts, this kind of like spring for us. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's late winter, on actually, but it feels like spring around. Yeah. I mean, around my house it did today. Uh, it's going to be three miles an hour at daylight. So that can draw you into going, hey, man, let's make a little longer run. Right. Let's go, instead of well. <laughs> instead of just right around the corner where we can get back quick, let's go ahead and make a run on down to Panther. Yeah. Or, you know, someplace far off. Well, that north wind hits, and it's going to hit pretty hard by 3 o'clock. It's supposed to be 20 gusting to 30. Mm. You know, 25, 20, 25 gusting to 30. If you've ever tried to cross a bay like San Antonio Bay or Trinity or Baffin, any of those big bays. Sabine. Sabine's a bear. (laughs) If you try to cross one of those on a strong north wind like that, Mm -hmm. you went over to the south shoreline early because it it felt right, it can get rough. It can get dangerous. The moral to the story is no when to get out. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) be watching. Uh, (laughs) Our famous one was, it was in... Was in Bay, mm-hmm. uh, Dean and I were fishing a red uh, uh, kayak tournament mm-hmm. in Rockport, and it was nice. It was really nice. It was a front supposed to come in later that evening, one of those late spring fronts. Yeah, going to drop the temperature a little bit. Supposed to come in with a few thunderstorms, but it was going to be after the tournament. Also, <laughs> I was catching a fish, and Dean was watching me. He was taking a picture of me as I was catching it. And he stopped and he looked up there, and he said. It sure is some funny-looking clouds. <laughs> I turned around over my shoulder, and it was like, oh, my God, Armageddon was coming upon us. <laughs> some funny-looking clouds. It sure is some funny-looking clouds. And it was those rolling clouds. Oh, they look like they have folds in them. Right, like yeah. like on the beach. I've seen those, like, unfortunately. Like the white water on the <laughs> yeah, beach. Yeah, they, they fold. It was black. Yeah. I mean, it was solid black. <laughs> and we got hit with 60-something mile-an-hour winds. Yikes. Did you get out of it? No. Nah. No, you just went up to the shoreline? We just went to the mangroves. Yeah. You know, we just got wet. Sailed, basically. <laughs> we sat in our kayaks and went flying into the mangroves. <laughs> and then we just sat up against the back of the mangroves for a good while. Yeah, I guess a good while. Um, uh, did you see that that map that he posted on our Bite Me group page? Or, uh, Hell yeah. That he posted? That was pretty dang. So I was trying to enlarge it and look at it, see if you guys had any marks on it, you know, and stuff like that. That was pretty sweet. That was a map from your uh, tournament kayak days, right? Yeah, believe it or not, youngsters, mm-hmm. we didn't have maps on our phone back right then. So we had an actual folding map of Florida, and we were going over there. Put that thing on your lap, put your feet on the on the front of the car and the oh, truck. Yeah. and <laughs> about, about once a month or every other month, we were going over to Florida to go fish kayak tournaments. Yeah. Yeah. And we fished the whole entire state. We fished all over it. It was fun. <laughs> it was a good time. You know, one of the things I was thinking about, um, 
when I saw that this this front could be real and the temperatures could be real. I was thinking about that croaker I told you about <laughs> because I, I I was having a, a slow day. I think I caught three redfish, nothing to, to write home about. And I, and this was this past Saturday, Sunday maybe Saturday, and and I hooked up with a in one of the back lakes over there um, with what I thought was a drum. I mean, it was taking drag. It was it was diving, and I'm like, oh man, I got a drum. Oh well, that'll be fun. So I bring it up, and it was it just warmed my heart. And I was thinking about this fish. It was a croaker. It was I didn't weigh it. It was easily three and a half pounds. I mean, it was a it was looked like a football. We used to call him bull croaker. Oh my, that was a big God. old bull. It was a big. I said, oh, I got a drum, and I picked it up. I'm like. Oh my gosh, that's a croaker. Yeah. So, uh, and it was it's 22, 23 inches, about three and a half pounds, if I had to guess, because um, it was so fat. And I was thinking, I've been thinking about that croaker. I'm like, please get out. Please get out. <laughs> please be safe. Be safe, Mr. Croaker, because, uh, you know, you and I are not uh, big, you know, live croaker guys because uh, we feel like they should be, um, you know, game fish. But that's why. They it, was, it was so much fun. That's what we did back before all this croaker craze. Yeah. You know, using them as bait and started up. It wasn't unusual to go out on a wade and catch two or three croaker it like that. It was a shock. I, mean, we, I was literally like, happen. oh, my gosh, that's a croaker. Especially if you're throwing gold spoons. I mean, yeah. they would hit it just like a redfish would. Mm-hmm. And, you know, think about a fight of a three, three, three and a half pound redfish. And yeah. now you're doing the same thing with a croaker. Uh, it was really cold when we had it. Oh man, I was I so happy. I wish we could have it again. I hope that I hope Mr. Croaker or Miss Croaker gets uh, gets her way into the Gulf because uh, that was a blast. And I guess that's my editorial statement for the day because uh, that's why we uh, we would really love to see some of those uh, those things become. Yeah, you know, a lot uh, of people. Game fish. A lot of people think that we're against it. No, you know, I'm like, I'm so against somebody catching fish. You know, going out and catching their trout. No, I'm not. Mm-hmm. We caught plenty of trout on shrimp, and you can still catch plenty of trout on shrimp. Right. You have to deal with a few other, you know, trash fish from time to time, but you can still catch a lot of trout. So for your beginners and all that, that's the argument I always hear about the the croaker thing. Oh well, for beginners, beginners can use shrimp, mm-hmm. and beginners don't need to go out and necessarily catch a limit of big trout. They're happy catching anything, especially kids. Right. Kids are happy. You catch drum, sheep's head, whatever. That's where the croaker used to come in when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. That's what us kids caught, man. I went out. It didn't matter if you had a little piece of half of a dead shrimp and put it on a hook. You can catch a croaker. Yeah. And they were good. And they were big ones. You know, it was was not unusual at all to have one to two and three pounds of croaker. Yeah. And the other thing about it that, that I think ties in with exactly what you're talking about with the advancements of, uh, of of artificial baits, I've been on this this knock and tail kick, you know, uh, the, the knock and tail lure, and that's one that you really don't have to work that much. I mean, if you're going to throw a croaker, if you're going to throw a shrimp, that's one that you can just throw out there and reel. It has a little knocker in the tail. Yep. You know, there are advancements now uh, with the artificial baits that even for newbies, you know what I mean. You you can you can catch fish relatively simply by just reeling in um i do like that bait you know and so that that would be one uh right there that that would maybe be part of the reason 
you know, maybe more people should be into the the croaker or or, or should be a game fish because you got baits out there like that, like the knock and tail that can that can do some things. All right, I do want to take. We're going to talk about walk in waiting. Really good question that was on the on the the group page, and uh, maybe even uh, growing a, a network of like minded fishermen. If you're kind of a a, a, a solo a loner, if you will, but we're talking about boats and getting into the and out of the weather, uh, making sure the boat. Scott and I always talk about. Make sure the boat, you know, fits you. I thought I'd go out and ask uh, the expert, Chet Mornpudi. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. You really have to be honest with yourself. You know, don't just get a 24V hull, whatever brand, because you think it's cool and your buddy has it. I mean, what kind of fishing do you do? Uh, what is best for you and your family or your buddies? And and so I was looking at the three boats that you have, Chet, that really kind of run the gamut. So I wanted to see if you could maybe go through those three. We'll start with the Chiquita, you know, describe it, length, and, and what it's really used for and what kind of fishermen uh, buy that. And then we'll go to the Patriot and the Warrior. But let's start with the Chiquita. If someone is honest with themselves, what is that best for? I always uh, tell people uh, that if you don't have the right boat for the right fishing, you're going to lose your heart in fishing. So fishing, you need to have passion. If you, if you don't have passion, you're either going to end up uh, hating that hobby or, you know, you will not be on a boat forever. So I call a term called BUFF. B stands for boat, U is you, fishing fun. So if any of these things are out, you will not have fun fishing. Mm -hmm. So you need to know the right boat that you want to fish it. So this is what I always ask the people. Hey, what kind of fishing do you do? You know, you don't walk into a dealership saying that, hey, I want that 20-foot boat or I want a 30-foot boat. So, you know, they got probably fishing all his life in a kayak. So he walks into the dealership and says, hey, man, my budget is 60 grand. I don't try to sell a guy for his budget. We try to sell a boat that fits his needs. Like I said, you know, if you're going to lose fun in that boat, you will not be going back fishing. So just to give an example, this Freedom Boat, so one of the boat lines we carry are the Freedom Boats. Uh, these, we call them the best fisherman's friend. Best friend, you know. But they come in three different models, Chiquita, Patriot, and Warrior. The most common factor between these three boats are they're all running three inches of water. These are the shallow running boats out in the Gulf. Mm -hmm. So talking about the Chiquita, Chiquita is a foot-in-foot tunnel boat with a seven-foot of tunnel. And it drafts in uh, four inches, runs less than three inches. And the best part with this Chiquita is the beam. The beam is seven-foot. So a foot-in-foot by seven-foot is like a board. Most stable from port to starboard. There's no list from forward to aft. So the ride is all flat. So who wants Chiquita? Mainly the people who runs the boat in marsh, shallow water, reefs, or they have to cut through a place where they have to go to the other side of the bay to, you know, especially in the West Bay, where people don't know what kind of an obstruction you have underwater. So Chiquita is their best friend. So it runs less than three inches. 
capacity holds three people. The second Freedom Boat model is, is the Patriot. The Patriot is eight and foot long and eight and a half feet wide. So this is the wide boat in its category. You don't see an eight and foot boat which has a beam of eight and a half foot. So it's a pure catamaran hull, forward to aft, drafts in, uh, fully loaded draft, full tank of gas, four adults, fully rigged, uh, six to eight inches of water, and runs in three inches of water. So a lot of the people, they say, man, this is all sales gimmick. I never seen a boat running in three inches. Trust me. I took people out with a stake in the water with a measuring tape. We ran across that stake. People, they are amazed how shallow this boat can run. And... Um, a lot of people ask, hey, you know, whether it can handle chop or not. You got to understand, a catamaran boat creates an air pocket underneath, and it runs on the water rather than cutting through the water. Mm-hmm. So it runs different than a V-hull. The V-hull, the rougher the water, the rougher the ride. Yeah. Cat hull, it doesn't matter. Once you create the air pocket, you're running on a skateboard. So the Patriot is a, is a versatile boat. You know, you can use it as a back lakes, inshore, and you can use it as a bay boat as well. So, so the best part with the Patriot is you don't have to compromise the shallowness of the ride. Mm-hmm. So you can go back into those marshes where you can still get on plane in six inches of water, run in three inches of water. A lot of the people who does weight fishing, this boat is the best. The eighteen foot Freedom Patriot, and also uh, on a Chiquita, you, the gunnels are so low, you can get on and off. Like you know, even if you have a bad knee or whatever, you can get off the boat and weight fish. So uh, talking about a twenty three foot Freedom Warrior, this boat is uh, eight and a half feet wide, uh, which has a 12 inches of wide gunnels. So I've seen people doing cartwheels on those gunnels. It's so big. It says huge storage in the forward. Uh, it comes in two different models, race console, on-deck console. Uh, got a huge storage in the back, live well in the back. If you're a fishing guide, this is the boat you want to go out. Ample space on the boat, a lot of room for the customers to fish around. And you can still take it off. You can still take it to the choppy water. You can still take it to the back lakes and inshore fishing and offshore fishing. So the people who's the best fit for this boat is again, you know, a lot of those uh, weight fishermen. They can do weight fishing out of this boat. And if you want to go to the jetties, you know, it handles chop real good. You know, um, if you are in uh, if you're in shallows, this boat fully loaded uh, drafts around eight to ten inches and runs in three to four inches. So same thing, you can do shallow water fishing, you can do bay fishing, inshore fishing, and you know, I mean, sky's the limit. You can take this water anywhere you want. And the reason, Chet, I mean, we're, the reason I mentioned Freedom is obviously, you know, the boatyard, you guys are friends of mine, and I know you have Freedom, but you got other boats too. You have other dealers as well at, at the boatyard. But Freedom seems to be able to run the whole gamut. And, and I'm guessing that this is something that it's it's a little bit of an adjustment for those who maybe have never had a cat. And I, you and I, that, that was something I asked you when I was buying a boat. I said, let's talk about this cat and, and turning and all that. It's a different animal, man. And I can, I can brag all I want, but I know you know the mechanics and the science involved. Tell us why these cats just seem to handle a whole lot different than your average cat. I mean, to start with, uh, catamaran boats run total different compared to wheel boats. Like I uh, said many times, a wheel boat, you're going with the water. So, you know, um, when trying to turn, you know, uh, if you don't have a good design in the chines, those wheel hulls try to skid. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the cat hulls. 
I've been on many other cat holes. Uh, most of the drawback what they have is the design of the tunnel and the chines inside the tunnel. It takes a real good detail the way you design it. A lot of the people, when they turn a cat hole, if you're on wide open throttle, it will kick you out of the boat. Mm-hmm. But these freedoms, the way they design, the builder made some attention to detail and he experimented this boat for five years before he put in the market. So he has like two types of uh, strakes and chines mm-hmm. in this tunnel. That is what keeps it not skip skidding when you make a wide, wide open throttle turn. When you're in a choppy water, when you try to make that wide turn or a shorter turn, there's a chance that the air pocket burps out mm-hmm. and the boat skids. But the way this water is, the tunnel is 14 inches tall, average. But at some places, it's almost up to three foot. It has a huge air pocket. Mm-hmm. So it won't give you a chance to burp the air out yeah. when you turn it. That is what makes this boat a smoother turn, smoother ride, and everything. And the other biggest difference, what you see with the other catamaran boats, is backing up. When you back another catamaran boat, it does crab walking, it goes like zigzag. But this. Warrior backs up exactly like a V-hole. Mm-hmm. So, you know, go straight up. If you want to flip it to the right, turn it to the right, it does just exactly like a V-hole. All right, so really good question, uh, Scott. Um, from I got it directly, but I think it was also on the on the group page. Um, I, don't, I don't know. We've talked shorelines. We've talked beachfront. We've talked wade fishing and occasionally driving around. But this was very specific for uh, a walk-in wader. You know, you've done decades of that. Yep. I still do it. You know, sometimes if it's real, real windy and I just don't feel like messing with it, I'm by, my, I'm by myself or something, I'm down in Sargent, I've got some places where I can just put on my waders, put on my wading boots, and just go wade, especially with the water having been out lately. You can actually walk on, you know, in a little bit. So the question is about walk-in wading tips. Like, you know, just, just, a, just a dude, just a chick that, uh, I shouldn't say chick, just a lady. <laughs> Hmm. If you want to be, if you want to be called a chick, <laughs> if you want to be called a chick, I, I can call you a chick. But uh, ladies, otherwise, uh, that want to just put on their waders and drive around to wherever it is and just walk in, wade. I think everybody at some point cuts their teeth that way, if not, you know, on the beachfront. What are some walk in wading tips? I mean, I'm talking about like things to look for, etc. The bad part of that is there's not near as many places as it was right. when I was growing up. Right. I, Coming up, man, we could park anywhere. You know, we'd park on the side of somebody's house and walk through the through the yard and go out and wait at Eagle Point. Uh, nobody really cared, mm-hmm. you know, because nobody was messing with anything. Uh, so we we did have that advantage. Uh, I would look for an area that has some structure. That's one of the reasons I liked Eagle Point. Mm-hmm. All those old piers along that stretch, uh, we catch some big trout in there. Uh, they were, you know, the bait fish and everything's going to locate up against those pier pilings and they were they were really good and that's one of the first places i caught fish on mirror lures mm-hmm. uh, there's some weighed in spots like matagorda if you go down on the beach run down the beach there's some old oil field roads that mm-hmm. go back in there i haven't done it in years and years so don't you know don't do it without investigating first right. but used to i mean I, we could drive down the beach jump through the sand dunes there and hit one of those old fill roads and go all the way up to the bay on the backside and get out and just walk in and wait. Uh, finding places like that, uh, 
where there's there where you know that there's some kind of a structure, uh, preferably something that's going to be protected a little bit from the wind, so you mm-hmm. you can wait along there and have the wind at your back throwing out a little bit. Um, know the know the area a little bit from looking at maps. Uh, look at Google Earth, look at all those things, mm-hmm. and see if you can see any points, uh, grass beds, uh, oyster shell, anything along those lines. Also look for any guts right. and things that, that cut back up in there, uh, things that you might want to watch out for mm-hmm. as you're waiting as well, you know, in those guts. Uh, some of them are, are fairly deep. Behind a hurricane, a lot of those cuts that go up into the islands will be really deep. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but you know, you get away from the hurricane by two or three years, it'll silt back in a little bit. Right. So you don't have to worry about it as much. I, I can recall walking through a few after, uh, I don't remember which hurricane it was, mm-hmm. Alicia or one of those way back, and then <laughs> walking in over my head in several places <laughs> where it had always been not over my head, yeah. <laughs> more like waist deep. Yeah. So we were stepping off into holes, you know, just incredibly mm-hmm. deep holes. Um so learn an area, um, go in cautiously. Mm-hmm. Uh, we always shuffle our feet because of stingrays. But yeah. shuffle your feet and start feeling for that. It's dropping off. Yeah. Or you're on hard hard bottom and you're starting to feel that soft bottom, mm-hmm. uh, especially in places that you've never walked in and fished before. Uh, when you're doing it by boat, you know, you kind of, at an advantage, you can kind of move around and get to the right spots. Right. Walk-in waiting is more about, man, just – Take what you can get, and everybody has a few little hidden gems. I mean, we always did, mm-hmm. uh, or we knew we could walk in and stand a really good chance right at daylight of popping a big trout. Right. Uh, I think a whole lot of that went away when kayaks got real popular. Because mm-hmm. basically what it came down to, me and all my buddies, it was the same thing. It was like, well, hell, if we get kayaks, then we don't have to wade right there where we can park. Right, right. We, we can park in those same old places. And now we can take off way, you know, paddling away and get, get further away from the crowd. Um, but a lot of those kayak launch spots, mm-hmm. if, if you're just a walk-in waiter and you don't have a kayak, you hadn't got access to a kayak yet, go to some of the kayak websites like Texas Kayak Fisherman right. and look at the, the uh, launch points mm-hmm. and wherever they're launching, you know that you can go up there and park. It's it's public, right? So from that point, you can walk in. That can give you some ideas of places to get. My my uh, addition to what you just said is it's amazing what you can get if you're just courteous. Uh, what I do to this day, because I I mean I got my beautiful boat and and I like going out there and I I like to kayak, but sometimes I just like to get in the truck and nose around. I know you've done this and see see things. Um, I remember uh, probably about six months ago, there, there's a place by the airport in Copano Bay. I was down near Rockport and that I like to just put on my waders and just wait all the way up. And there's some houses up in there. And I would, I saw uh, th- this couple on their dock and said, hey, I'm catching release. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to release every fish that, uh, that I catch. You mind if I just wade around your dock there and, and go back and forth, uh, you know, in this area right here? They're like, oh, sure, whatever. It's amazing. And maybe it's the era in which we live. I did this um, just very recently um, over off of uh, Old Dead uh, Caney Creek in, in, in Sargent. There were some houses. There was some marsh there in front of some houses. I said, hey, you know, you mind if I just wade up and down here? I'm not going to keep anything. just want to, you know, spend a couple of hours. 
oh, sure, go right ahead. I mean, if you're just courteous, you yep. know, if you're just friendly and ask, and catch and release is 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 generally, you don't, I mean, maybe they'll let you keep, you know, they'll, they'll say, go ahead if you say, I'm going to keep a couple, you know, or whatever. But just be friendly, because there are some places in those two places, I've done it in Sabine, where you can wade for miles if you just are friendly. Yeah. I mean, and then you're going to have, I'm sure as people were listening to that, there's a handful of people out there going, well, they don't own the bay. You know, and they mm-hmm. don't. Honestly, yeah. they don't. Yeah. They own that property on the beat. You know, mm-hmm. on the, but they on got the a shoreline. They've got a dock that sticks out. out. Yeah. It's just common courtesy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The same thing with kayaking. Uh, a whole lot of kayakers want to go out at night and fish uh, pier lights. And I get that question a lot mm-hmm. throughout the summer, especially. If you're paddling along there and you want to fish pier lights up in canal houses, that's fine. Everything's good. Mm-hmm. But if you see somebody out there and they're fishing their pier light, move along. Yeah. Yes, those fish are public fish, but that light is their light. They they're paid paying for the it. electricity yeah. and they're paying for that light. If they want to fish their light, you probably ought to just go ahead and let them fish their light. Mm-hmm. Move on to the next one. Yeah. Because I guarantee you in any given canal, there'll be 15 or 20 lights right. and nobody's fishing most of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing with the wading. You know, we used to do it, like I said, at Eagle Point. Uh, waded all those piers along there and we we're just friendly with everybody that was there. Uh, there was one older lady that let us park right on her driveway mm-hmm. and walk through in our waders and walk down there and get in the water right by her pier. I'd bring her a fish every once in a while. Yeah, that, that's all you got to do. Yeah. It's amazing what will happen if, you, if you're just, you know, courteous and, and friendly. And, and, and while we're talking about, uh, while we're talking about uh, waiting, I, I do want to clean up something that, that I actually, it's actually a better deal uh, than I mentioned a couple of weeks ago. I was talking about, uh, you know, the, my buddies over at, at Wade Wright and, and the offer they have for Bite Me uh, podcast listeners. Uh, it's even better than I thought. <laughs> I kind of I kind of I, I screwed it up. You undersold it? I undersold it. Man, that don't happen often. Uh, yeah, it, it, that doesn't happen a, at all. Um, but what, what what's going on right now, if you go to CoastalFishingGear.com, um, they have a, a Bite Me 20 uh code and it's it's really a, a great deal i'll i'll get with uh I'll, I'll get with tim and jason maybe on a future episode to explain it but if you go to co- coastalfishinggear.com and you you get the 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 big package uh for the wade belt the the, the madre sling that i like uh the the wade right wade belt um it's like 199 it has all kinds of stuff in it i mean it has all kinds of uh, things that, that you can you can get um but then on top of that they're going to have it for 149 dollars. and then on top of that if, if you type in bite me 20 you get another 20 percent off so uh, i actually shortchanged it the last couple of weeks ago uh, when I mentioned that deal, and uh, it's really good. I don't want to shortchange these guys because they're good dudes. I fish with them. I want to make sure that they get, um, you know, the, the, their deal, and and you get an even better deal. So, go to it. You can look at, at the at the at the the specials that they have, and you go to coastalfishinggear.com. I'm gonna do it right now just to make sure I got everything right uh, for you guys. Uh, they have the the Wade Wright Extreme Combo. Uh, the Wade Wright Madre Sling. Uh, they have all kinds of cool stuff right there. But when you get the the Super Combo package and you type in uh, Bite Me 20, you get another 20% off. So there, I want to make sure I got that right. Um, before we get out of here, I do want to ask you 
one more question from uh, one of our listeners, Scott, and that is uh, about newbies. Uh, you know, so many new fishermen, especially in 2020, um, regarding, uh, you know, people wanting to get outdoors. They were kind of climbing the walls at their house. We've talked about that in the past. But I got a question from a newbie that says he just really wants to grow his network of like-minded fishermen. A lot of times he's out there by himself. Uh, a lot of times he's, you know, doing things that, uh, you know, maybe he shouldn't be doing by himself. And, you know, how do you build that network of, of like-minded fishermen so you can feel a little better when you go out? In the early days of kayaking, I'll go back to that again. We had Texas Kayak Fishermen as a board, and we were just meeting up. Mm-hmm. And it, there wasn't that many kayakers back then, believe it or not. I mean, I mm-hmm. think I was member number 60-something <laughs> and, uh, on the message boards. <laughs> Your and, social security number is 37. Yeah, I mean, we, were, we were way back there. and uh, But we just started meeting up with That's how I met Dean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just met up with Dean to go fish a tournament in, in Florida. He needed a ride because his truck wasn't all that great. And uh, but that's how we started meeting up. It was all online. Uh, there was one one guy hit me up, and or I hit him up because he'd been out catching kingfish out of his kayak. I said, "Hey man, I'd like to do that. So, well, meet me down here on the beach. Well, we'll take off. The weather's looking good. Mm-hmm. So I'm out there in the garage gearing up. You know, getting all my stuff ready. I'm putting two pair of pliers. You know, because you know you're gonna drop one. <laughs> and I got yeah, I'm doing all this stuff, all this prep work, putting everything in the in the truck and putting little heavier rods and reels in there. Camille came out. She's looking. She's like, what are you doing? So I'm getting ready to go fishing tomorrow. I'm going to go out and fish with this guy. Mm-hmm. Where are you going to fish? We're going to fish off the beachfront and go catch some kingfish. She kind of looked at me a little odd. Who is this guy? I, I, I don't know. I met him on TKF. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, okay, so before daylight, you you're going to <laughs> go down and meet some dude on the beach before daylight, jump in a kayak, paddle offshore, and fish all day. Hmm. All right. <laughs> I'm laughing because my wife has told me the exact same thing. I'm like, yeah, it's this dude I met over in blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. Does he have a gun and does he want your money? I mean, I'm just, yeah. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. What's Fish, going on? Fishermen were very trusting. Exactly. Uh, but I would do that same thing now with, with I mean, self-promote. Our, you know, our Bite Me podcast group. As you can tell from if you've been on the that site any, mm-hmm. we don't have a bunch of jackasses on there that, that yeah. make fun of people for, yeah. for being beginners. Mm-hmm. They help beginners. That's what we wanted. That's what we're trying to do. So I would imagine that if somebody got on there and said, hey, man, I'm new to the Houston area or I'm new to whatever corpus or wherever, and I love fishing, just don't know what I'm doing. And if there's somebody I could tag along with, yeah. I'd appreciate it. You'd, I think you'd be surprised how many invites you'd get. Well, and the other thing um, is, is, as you mentioned, our, our website, well, our group page on, on Facebook is, is a good place to start. Um, also, just give specifics. Uh, I'm going to be, whatever, Port O'Connor, yeah. 7 a.m. here. I don't want to wade by myself. Um, I have a boat, whatever. I would say be a little bit not careful because these guys are trying to make a living and and maybe trying to make an extra buck. But a lot of times you'll you'll see, yeah, hey, I have an open boat and you can join me here. Well, sometimes those guys will charge you. You know, there's a oh, difference between buddies. Yeah, you know, there's a difference. Uh, yeah, like like like-minded fishermen and the guys who have a boat and are trying to make an extra buck. And oh, by the way. 
That's not legal. As I was going to say, and oh, by the way, they're not Scott Nolan. They're not Captain Caleb with, uh, you know, Coast Guard, uh, you know, fishing guide licenses and, and credentials. and all the credentials and yeah. all that. If you're going to charge someone, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, technically you can't even ask for gas money. Mm-hmm. Like you, if you took took somebody out fishing, you can't say, hey, I'll take you fishing, but I need 20 bucks in gas. Right. Now, the person wants to just chip in on gas, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But you can't technically ask for any money without having a coast guard license right and being a licensed guide so those there's some sketchy little trips out there i've mm-hmm. seen them mm-hmm. pop up on the internet in different places where hey wade fishing you know open boat and i got room for four guys 75 dollars a head yeah that's watch that one yeah that's, yeah. Not, that's yeah. not a bite me listener a group page it, member that just wants that you know what that guy i, I want to go fishing with him i'm yeah. by myself too that's different yeah. That's a whole different ballgame. But if you do get invited, just know that it's the right thing to do to offer to help clean the boat, mm-hmm. offer to put gas in the boat, uh, put gas in their truck if they drove from Houston to Port O'Connor or right. something like that. Right. Put, put a little gas money in there. Um, that's part of having the friends that, that fish. Mm-hmm. You know, I was always the guy with the boat right. know, when I was coming up. All the guys from the police department fished with me all the time. They all chipped in. Mm-hmm. It was just... Mm, you know, a regular deal. That's the way it was. And uh, so when you get fishing buddies, treat mm-hmm. them right, right, and then you'll have fishing buddies for a long period of time. I would also say to cast a wide net, and pun very much intended there, um, I, I always tell people here at the office or, or my buddies, I say, I always tell them, don't be bashful. If you want to go fishing, text me, call me, email me. Uh, if I don't have anybody in the boat, if I got, if I'm out there, you're you're more than welcome. And the other thing is, cast that wide net, whether it's on our group page or wherever, you know, among your own friends. Say, anybody here like to to, to bay fish? You know, I, a lot of times I'm out by myself. And and the other reason I want you to cast a wide net of, of potential partners, I know you can relate to this, is even though there might be 10, 12, 20 people that that you ultimately fish with, they might all be great guys. But they might not be compatible with you as fishermen, yeah. you know. Uh, you and then you're going to be surprised. You're going to find your dean, you know. Yeah. You're going to find your dean Thomas. Uh, you're going to find your, you know, all the guys that I fish with regularly because they they understand the way I fish. They fish like me. They're they're not impatient. They don't have to be on fish. I mean, they they they're compatible with how I fish. So the more people with whom you you know you're you, you're fishing with, the better you're ultimately going to have. Five or six guys that are just, you know exactly like you. I was such a hardcore waiter back mm-hmm. then. There was very few people that would actually go and fish with me. Mm-hmm. You know, and they they just didn't hang. And uh, I don't. And that's not that's not bad. Not bad on them. Yeah. It's just not the way that I fish. And yeah. and the the worst the worst comment that I would ever get is we're getting on. Hey, my wife wants me back. Bye. Oh man, <laughs> get out of. Get out of the truck. Yeah, maybe. Because <laughs> I mean, if the fish are biting, we ain't coming back by then. Exactly. You know, it, we might come back earlier, mm-hmm. or we might come back a lot later. Right. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I get it. People have, have schedules and things. But right. but when I was going hardcore back then, uh, don't tell me that you had to be in by any certain time. Like, yeah. We may stay till dark. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I had two or three good friends. One of them, uh, Steve. I've talked about before, wrong way, Steve. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, dude could find his way anywhere on a bay in a boat. You put him in a truck, and he would turn the wrong way. At a 50-50 stoplight, he was going the opposite direction. <laughs> I mean, he, 
it was unbelievable how but in the dark leaving out of rockport he could take you right straight to mud island <laughs> i mean without veering that's because one of bit. his priorities he's got a clear head when he's on the water i guess yeah something like but, that uh, he he would wade with me like that we mm-hmm. would take off and it wasn't anything for me and him to be out of the boat for six hours yeah you know just on a long good wade one of my lifelong friends tom gardner his, his son is patrick gardner one of, one of caleb's best friends uh, another one of my friends who passed away, uh, Joe Mike Mosley, was a guy down in uh, uh, down in, uh, in in Matagorda. Uh, his son Nick Mosley uh, does a hell of a job. I saw him over the weekend. Um, those two guys, I started fishing with Tommy because his daughter and son, who is Patrick, and and my sons were in swim team, and, and we just started chatting. He goes, "Well, you want to go fishing?" That was in the early nineties. And we've been fishing ever since. I mean, you never know because he yep. and I were grinders and at the time, and, and we've aged together. So now we have our same priorities now, <laughs> you know, in terms of, of fishing. Uh, so cast that wide net, um, and it'll make a big difference. All right. One so, thing I've been really ahead. surprised about, mm-hmm. and I, I just haven't seen that much of it over the years. Uh, okay, you, you're new to the area. You're new whatever. You want to go out with a guide. Mm-hmm. But you don't want to pay the full bill for going out with a guide. I get it. You know, it's not cheap going out with us. You know, I mean, yeah. it's it's a luxury. Mm-hmm. Uh, get on the board and say, hey, I want to go out with Captain Scott and go out tarpon fishing this year. But I don't know anybody. Is anybody else interested in going? There you Let's go. pick a day mm-hmm. and we'll split the trip. Yeah. And I'm surprised more people don't do that. They, well, they will now because we're mentioning yeah. it right here and we have a great group page. Um, which is a good way to, to, to kind of put a bow on, on this right here. It's capscottnull.com if you want to do that. Get post, make a post. Make a post on the on the group page. Um, maybe you'll get two, three guys. Well, two if you're going to go uh, sight casting for redfish. I think that's uh, Scott's yep. limit on that. But uh, certainly later in the year, Tarpon, you can get four guys on there, I'm sure, on your big boat. And uh, uh, Same thing with Captain uh, Caleb, Captain Gardner, Captain Mosley, all those guys. You, you can kind of... Uh, pull your sources there. So it's captainscottnull.com if you want to reach Scott. Um, and then the other thing is, uh, I just answered an email this morning uh, of Camille's, Camille Null, and we are putting in another order for shirts, and we're going to add gators with the yep. logo. Yep, going to have a little gator with the logo on it. With the Bite Me logo, we're going to have uh, more stickers. We're going to have stickers like crazy. Bigger, uh, bigger stickers. And we're going to have the 11-inch stickers as well. So go to Captain, excuse me, go to Scott Null Photography uh, to put in an order for that. Um, she hasn't got them on there yet. She hasn't got no, them on no, there yet. No, we're, we're ordering yeah, them. So we're you, getting there. <laughs> you, 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 can get, uh, you can get started on that. Um, and then uh, the last thing I wanted to say real quick is uh, certainly um, for, the, for the podcast right now, we're going to have a very special and nice announcement probably in about two or three weeks that I think everybody who's listening to this podcast is going to want to be a part of. Uh, other than that, <laughs> parting shot, Sunday, less than an inch of snow. Well, the, great. There is snow <laughs> in the damn forecast. <laughs> That's exactly. <laughs> it says snow, you less read, than you, one you, inch. You, you read my mind. I was going to say <laughs> one last look at the weather, Scott. Damn. And uh, <laughs> tell us. So, all right, cross your fingers, man. Uh, knock on wood, as I, I said. I think we're going to be okay on this one because I don't think it's going to be prolonged mm-hmm. in the 20s or anything like that. What I'm seeing now up and down the coast while you were talking a while ago, I was mm-hmm. kind of looking at different spots. Most places it's going to be a three to six hour, seven hour freeze. 
but like three or four consecutive nights and not getting above about 40 degrees but that will raise the temperature during the day yeah it'll come up during the day a little bit if we get a little sunshine on Mm -hmm. it that'll help a whole lot i think we're gonna skate i'm crossing my fingers Mm -hmm. everything looks like we're probably gonna skate on this one all right i think it may be some little localized kills yeah but not 17 million but it's not going to be you know post wide again hopefully that's captain scott no i'm john lopez catch them up not this weekend but catch them up (laughs) thursday and friday and we'll talk to you next week